Hello and welcome to Career Move Secrets, a brand new podcast for active job seekers and the career minded. In each episode, I'll interview a special guest from my global network. Guests will include seasoned recruiters, experienced hiring managers from companies big and small, and successful individuals who have developed great careers through making great career moves. My aim is to uncover and share my guests' unique perspectives, their insights, and their insider advice on job searching, interviewing, and career enhancement. My name is Tony Talbot, and I've been working in the recruitment industry as an international headhunter for over 20 years. I'm the creator of CareerMoveSecrets.com, a step-by-step online course for job seekers that I designed to be the ultimate guide to getting hired in the hidden job market. I will add my perspective to the conversation, and together with my guests, we hope to provide some genuine, actionable insider advice that will help you execute your next career move. Thanks for joining us today. Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Career Move Secrets and today's guest is John Tarnoff. John is a career transition coach and a best-selling author. His book, Boomer Reinvention, How to Create Your Dream Career Over 50, uh, launched as an Amazon at number one bestseller. Hi, John. How are you? Hi there. How are you doing, Tony? I'm very well, yes. And yourself? How You're out in LA, are you? How's life I, out there? I'm in LA. It's, uh, it's, good, to be, uh, it's, it's good to be here uh, in place and online. Well, yes. Uh, these days, we can all do everything online. Are you zooming a lot? Are you uh, using the, the technology to to get out there? Yeah, most of my uh, coaching, I would say, all of my coaching is is on Zoom and has been kind of since the beginning. It's really the only way to scale a coaching practice. Um, and uh, and I think as we're seeing today, remote work is becoming much much more prevalent. And I think it will continue to be prevalent after the pandemic is over. So we're in the midst of, I think, a big sea change about work, uh, having already been in a big sea change around work over the past uh, 10, 15 years. Yes, it's certainly changed a lot. I mean, and recruitment's changed an awful lot in the 20 years I've been involved. It's uh, it's constantly moving, and I think you really have to sort of uh, move with the times. Um, well, actually, you know, you've had a very interesting career John, yourself, um, one I've just researched and found very intriguing, but I'd, I'd like to hear that direct from you. What's, what's your sort of career narrative? Sure. Well, I, I never really expected to be a career coach, uh, but I was always interested in, in teaching and, and kind of sharing my knowledge. And I come out of the entertainment business. I was, uh, I was a filmmaker in college and wanted to see how that worked and wasn't sure where to go with that. But I moved out to Los Angeles from New York. Uh, after college, uh, spent a little time in film school, thought that was kind of bogus, went out and just pounded pavement and got a job working uh, ultimately in uh, in film development, uh, developing scripts, working with writers, getting ideas together, and trying to figure out how to move that rock up the hill. And it is it is the rocks are big and the hills are steep. Um, uh, and it is a, a it's a fascinating problem solving exercise. Uh, to uh, to to you know get something to happen in this business, so I did that for about uh, you know thirty years I would guess um, in and out of uh, studio jobs uh, as a producer I had a, a diversion I guess into technology in the nineties I got together with a partner we founded a little internet startup uh, you know raised the money uh, and then lost everything when the bubble burst in two thousand one and that was kind of a big wake up call for me. And I thought, well, 
here I am, I'm just about to turn 50. And um, I'm not really quite sure what to do. And, and this was, this was my kind of big reinvention. And so I decided to go back to school because I, I felt like I, I hadn't really burned bridges with people in the, in the entertainment business uh, in, from my tech years. But I just didn't want to go back to that life. I didn't want to go back to that, that work, those jobs. And, uh, but I didn't know what else to do. So I went back to school. I, I enrolled in a psychology program, not so much because I thought I wanted to become a psychologist, but because I really wanted to learn more about myself and learn how I was presenting and, and learn how to perhaps listen better. And interestingly, that wound up bringing me back into entertainment, and I got hired by DreamWorks Animation uh, in 2002, 2003, where I worked for the rest of the decade, but doing something that I had never really done before, which was much more people-focused. And I said going in, look, I don't want to be in those development meetings anymore, you know, making kind of stupid decisions about, you know, whether the character would hold a pen in his right hand or his left hand. Um, I really want to focus in a different way. And I found that at the studio at the time, they were in a big growth spurt and they needed help in managing the creative team. And I kind of fell into that role, developed a outreach program to colleges and universities for recruiting. And that kind of got me into the whole people process such that when it kind of came time to leave DreamWorks, I would kind of, I kind of had done what I had, joined them to accomplish and they were going in a different direction. I wanted to do more education work. They were going, no, 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 we got to do more, more monetization and we've got to really focus on our franchises and we're going to kind of pull back on a lot of this visionary stuff. I thought, okay, time to go out and uh, set up my own shingle and really see if I can make a go of it. And that was 2010. So uh, it's been 10 years of uh, focusing on education and training. The coaching thing came along a little bit later. And it really kind of all came together around this question of what are people over 50 going to do with their careers? Because this is a, we have a retirement crisis uh, in, our, in our world today, not just in, in the UK and the US, but this is, this is going on all over the world. Uh, we have an aging population bubble, um, uh, something like, uh, I, mean, I don't have the percentage off the top of my head, but by 2050, something like 25 or 30% of the world will be over 50. Um, so uh, what are we all going to do? Uh, the world can't afford to, to sustain us through traditional retirement. We can't afford to sustain ourselves through traditional retirement. Um, so we need to be working longer, but who's going to hire us? right? Uh, ageism is very pervasive. Uh, the, the convention of, oh, well, you're 65. You get, well, you, you better be retiring, right? But retire to what? So my mission is to help educate people over 50 that A, they don't have to retire. Uh, B, they can continue to go on working. And C, it doesn't necessarily have to be in the way that they did when they were younger. So they can go into a more freelance entrepreneurial uh, career, which does not take the same kind of time commitment that it would, so they can pursue something that's more meaningful and purposeful to them, which is important as we get older, uh, and still continue to save for the eventual retirement, but not at 65, more like at least 75, maybe later. Yeah, I think I think all of those things ring true. It's definitely uh, 
uh, uh, you know, it's it's going to be very hard for some of us to retire at sixty-five. I'm not sure if I'm going to make it at sixty-five, and and also I wonder whether I would actually want to because um, you you see people sort of go off the end of a cliff when they do retire if they if they lose that purpose um, and a reason to get out of bed every day. So that that's true, Absolutely. and and definitely portfolio careers are growing. There's no doubt about that, and I wonder actually even if the current generation will develop portfolio careers as opposed to traditional careers. They, they, I think they already are. Yeah, they, they already are. they already are. I I, I agree right. with that. So there's lots of there's lots of things changing, but of course, as you as you rightly point out, there's probably always a, you know, somebody's got to hire you, whether it's right. uh, on a temporary basis, part time, full time. There's still a process to go through. You've still got to convince somebody that you're the person for the job, and I think, you know, you have some particular views around that as well. How how you do that, and 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 whether the, you know, the traditional route of uh, try and find an advertised job is actually the right way to go. Uh, well, I think you and I are on the same page on that. Uh, mm. The answer is no. Uh, and I think particularly as you get older, uh, you can't go by the conventional wisdom that that we were taught when we were in our 20s, uh, of, you know, two, three, four decades ago, uh, which is you revise your resume, you send out your resume with a cover letter, you mm. customize it for each application and you wait for them to call you back to, to get an interview. And I can't tell you how many people I run into who are uh, appalled, uh, uh, frustrated, and often incensed that they do not get a callback to a resume submission. They do not get an email. They do not get any response whatsoever. And they find this unconscionably rude. And I laugh. And I say, what do you expect? The world has changed. Uh, recruiters are being bombarded with applications, 250 per, uh, I think, what's the average? 250 that's, that's applications? Two, 250 was the average uh, for every Probably job online. Higher. I think I think you're not talking 500. Um, that right. was pre-COVID. Right, um, right. So, so, you know, what do you expect? I mean, recruiters are overwhelmed. They're going to spend six seconds scanning your resume, mm. uh, and it's going to go through a scanner, a, 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 you know, a, a, a automated uh, applicant system scanner anyway, yeah. and they don't want you. you know, they don't want you because you don't fit into the box because you are older, number one. And, uh, and I think part of the reason that older people, I mean, yes, ageism is tremendously pervasive and toxic and, and, and short-sighted. But on another level, what I encourage people who are older to do is to upgrade their sense of who they are and what they can do. Because mm. if, you, if you are let go from a job in your 50s and you've been at that job for 10 years, uh, 15 years, uh, you don't want to try to apply to that same job because they're looking for someone who's 10 years younger and 10 years cheaper than you are. Mm. You need to think about the future. You need to think about what can you do to take all of the experience and the wisdom that you now have from life and from work and apply that forward to deliver greater value. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 you know, the world of work has changed and, and the world of recruitment has changed um, in, in many ways. You're right. You know, every, every application gets 250 uh, CVs. But actually, that's not how. And, and yes, only 2% of those people are actually called forward for interview. And the reason is because that's not how recruitment works anymore. 
you know, um, 20 years ago when I started, it was very much a, a, a situation where you posted a job and you waited for, you know, people who were actively looking to come and uh, to come and uh, apply for it. But now, now it's a much more uh, proactive process where you target people that have a, a greater fit for the role. So it's become extremely specialised. And you know, if you're if you're not an eighty percent fit for a job, you're not going to get a call back. Um, you're not going to get somebody who who actually speaks to you. Right, applicant tracking systems are everywhere. I think there's seventy five percent of companies now use them. Um, that really looks at your CV. Sees if you've got the the right keyword density for the role. If you haven't, you, your CV will never be seen by an actual human being. So, all of those sorts of methods can be. You can be a busy fool applying to jobs. Uh, in my view, you can make yourself right. sick actually with with the rejection and the the lack of feedback, or you can do what you and I think agree on, John, which is 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 right. be you know more targeted, selective, and proactive with what you're doing get out there and talk to people um, and explain to them what you can do um, and why it benefits them in exactly. you know, the form of a, a say a, a personal value proposition uh, in crafting your career narrative so that it, it it speaks to the audience that you're that you want to engage um, and then engage them directly and there's there's methods to do that now the world is it's never been easier to get hold of somebody through social media LinkedIn particularly. Um, but even through other areas like Twitter and have a direct, develop a relationship with a person and have a direct, uh, uh, um, you know, conversation with them that then introduces your ability. That, that is more effective than, than putting your CV in with 250 or 500 others uh, into an applicant tracking system. I also think it's because it's, you know, it's more than the CV. It's so much more than the CV. You know, the CV is one small component and I, I tell people to, to kind of shift their focus away from the CV and that the CV today is really a kind of a tracking document. Once you've gotten in the door and you're being considered, then the CV is kind of that, that placeholder for the team to use to say, oh, we're, we're seeing these people. Mm. So you're going to be interviewing this guy and you'll be interviewing this guy or this lady and uh and and you pass the 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 pieces of paper around as 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 tracking as a tracking right. system um and um when they walk in the door you you look at the cv it's like oh yeah you're that person but that's it yeah it's, you know, it's, the, a, it's a real, token yeah it's a right, token the in real, the game and then once once you actually interview with somebody that's when you become a real person and that's when you need to make it human and right. interactive. Right. And actually, you know, we talk, you're talking about the, the older 50s. You know, they've got much more life experience. They've got a great story to, exactly. to, to tell. You know, they've got interesting things they've done in their lives that, that you know, they need to get out um, in right. that interview because that's what makes well, you memorable, not, not your CV. But this is also where LinkedIn comes in. And, and then the shift away from focusing on the on the CV to focusing on LinkedIn, um, my message for older workers is this is a particularly compelling advantage that you have to use this platform where you can tell your story. Mm. And what's fascinating to me about the people that I work with is that this is a very intimidating process for many people. And people are not used to thinking of themselves multidimensionally. 
and they are afraid to share. They feel that there's something wrong. And this is what we've been taught. You know, you've got to have this kind of corporate speak, detached, neutral, kind of gray uh, attitude about yourself in order to succeed. Wrong. This is completely flipped around. So uh, the LinkedIn about section, which used to be called the summary, is, is, is kind of like my, uh, I don't know what the word is, but th this is like my, my, uh, my, my real uh, focus. I rant on this often with mm. people um, regarding their about section because if I see another about section that starts with seasoned professional uh, <laughs> with uh, X number of years of experience, uh, expert at handling high-stress situations, no pronouns, mm. This is an old school convention. Yeah. Third person and, stuff. Oh yeah. I, right? I despise that. Yeah. And yeah. so the first thing I say to people is make your about section, number one, personal. Mm -hmm. This is about you. Use the first person, but also the, the about section needs to be about who you are, not what you've done. Mm. And I think that is from a marketing standpoint, you're talking before about telling a story this is how you tell your story. You have to, and this is where my entertainment background comes in very handy because in entertainment, it's all about how do you grab the attention of the audience and drag them in when they've got so many choices? How do you find your, your viewer, your audience, your reader, right? Your moviegoer. Uh, and you have to do the same thing as a candidate. Uh, and not just when you're looking for a job, but all the time, because your goal is actually never to be looking for a job. Your goal is to be always working on your network, because your network is what's going to reinforce and reaffirm the value that you provide, so that when you're available, people will be flocking to you. It's like, oh, thank God you've got time. Thank God that job is over because now I need you for, for my job because you're constantly supporting what you do through feeding your network, feeding your profile. Yeah, it's an, it's an amazing advantage, actually, you think about the over, over 50s of having is when you've had a, a story, uh, your your career has been long and interesting, and therefore you have a story to tell. You know you know yourself better um, by that stage. You know who you are exactly. and what you are. You've got that. Exactly. You know it, it becomes very authentic. You've actually got a great big network. You know which you need to leverage. You know I I, I was doing a piece actually with the you you were saying you do pieces with students. I was doing a piece with the students of the University of Westminster on their employability, and they're all worried. You know coming out of university now, mm, and sure. and I was we were talking about very similar things, um, and and trying to get them to realise that. You know they they need to be creative um, in what they in how they approach it because they all think they're just going to go online because of course they've been the generation that have been told that you go online and you find a job that's how it works that's how the system wants you to interact with it not that that's to your great benefit it's just because the numbers are huge and you know technology is supposed to to you know streamline all these things is actually as as you and I both share the view it's broken it's been broken for a while. You know, I, I was uh, talking to a chief uh, HR officer of a, uh, a bank who said, you know, that they had 
5,000 applications for one job, you know, and they were looking at wanting less applications because it's just, mm. it's just, mm. it's gone beyond. Crazy. It's crazy. But um, yeah, the advantage is that, that um, you know, those, those young kids ha- don't have a great network. They don't have a long story. So actually your, your older guys have got that. Plus, plus their network is actually made up of really senior people who could help them if they only reached out. So I do understand the reticence of putting yourself out there. Absolutely. I get that. You know, I've had that myself. I'm sure you have. People, uh, people say people just don't know what to say, right? Mm. They don't know how to work with their network. And my number one prescription about that is, is you've got to always be giving to your network. Yes. You never want to reach out to your network to ask for anything. Mm. Um, or at least 80% of the time you want to be giving, you want to be connecting people, you want to be sharing information, you want to be um, you know, commiserating on uh, issues of the day, uh, you want to be building relationships uh, through giving. Mm. Uh, and that's how you're going to uh, build trust with the people that are in your network and also reconnect with people that you haven't been in touch with for a long time because they don't know what you've been up to. Mm. So very often people will say, well, you know, I, I know all these people, but I haven't talked to them in forever and I'm embarrassed to reach out. I said, well, put yourself in their shoes. Imagine someone contacts you and says, look, it's been a long, long time, but things are crazy out there and I'm, I'm building up my network again. I'm just reaching out and uh, I want to find out what, what have you been up to? What's going on? You know, how can I help you? Is there mm. anything I can do for you? Mm. Um, it's important that we all stick together in these, in these crazy times. Uh, that's a way in. And you, you build your spreadsheet of all of your names and you kind of prioritize by what they're doing and how it maps to what you're doing and, you know, mutual relationships that you have and you know, areas of interest that you, that you might uh, have acquired since you last uh, talked to them. Uh, you know, there's a tremendous updating process that, uh, that everyone needs to do and then to kind of keep in touch with people and share through uh, all of the activity that we can use on social media. Yeah, I think it was it was Bob Berg, wasn't it, that came out with this this idea that people do business with and refer business to people that they know, like, and trust. Exactly. And I've stolen that mercilessly off Bob, and I've changed it. And I, and I always argue, look, you know, people hire and refer people that they know, like, and trust. So yep. you start with your network who already know you a little bit. You you develop that liking bit. And that's a human interaction. It's like how you build relationships with friends. If we're talking about, you know, the online world, you know, everybody, people that are posting or, you know, promoting things, they get no traction. Most people get no traction at all. But if you like their stuff and you comment on it and you ask a question and you you help to promote their stuff by doing that, they then you become much more um, likable to them. You're more visible to them. You're interacting with them more. Um, you're developing some of that trust. If you can then get a relationship where you, you know, uh, you go for a coffee with them or whatever we're allowed to do now. You go for a, you know have a Zoom call with them and you catch up and you share uh, interests and all of that sort of stuff and you build up that trust. That once you're in that situation with you know maybe an old contact or even a new one, that's when they start to think about you when. 
opportunities come past their desk and they think, exactly. well, who would be good for that? Or who I should tell John about that because he might be able to do some of it or he'll know someone. And that's mm-hmm. how it, it all works. Uh, right. That's networking in a, in a nutshell, isn't right. it really? Absolutely. And then the other aspect of that is that every contact that you make is a long-term, potentially a long-term uh, connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just the, the, um, the, the colleagues, the peers out there, but the recruiters. So mm-hmm. I think you've got to look at the opportunity to connect with a recruiter, not as a job-seeking opportunity, but as a network-building opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because the, probably one of the best referral networks that you could imagine is having a network of recruiters who all talk to one another um, and who are um, who are aware of you and looking out for you, and I'm, I remember this when I was at uh, when I was at DreamWorks, and uh, I saw how the recruiters were working there. And now this is a creative business with a limited supply of talented people uh, who are all working at the various animation studios in the U.S. and Canada and Europe and and the Far East. And the recruiters all know one another; they've all worked for the same companies and circulated around. So when a position comes open, everyone's talking to everyone about who's available, who's good, who'd be right, who's worked with who before, all of those, those kind of tight-knit criteria. So that was a big wake-up call for me about how this all works. And I think the typical job applicant doesn't think about it that way. They, don't, they think about it very much in a binary way about, I'm going to apply to this job with this recruiter, and then if they reject me, well, goodbye. No. What happens is when they reject you is you say, well, this is, uh, I really understand, and, uh, you know, you can only, you know, find the person with the right fit, but I, it's been great meeting you, and I would love to stay in touch and keep you informed about my, uh, my career and what keeps going on. And I guarantee you, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, any recruiter would say, absolutely. Oh, I, I think... If, I like, right. I like the idea of reciprocity as well. And I think that works really, really well. It's a, it's a great marketing strategy. So if, if I speak to uh, a candidate, and, we, and it's true, as recruiters, you know, we, we do all speak. And, you know, I, I, I first, my first job in recruitment, I was in a, a business with a hundred other guys. I, I, you know, still know many of those people. And of course, you know, you, you, you ask favors here, there and everywhere. Um, but candidates, when we're talking to candidates, you know, a good candidate to me is somebody that talks to me um, because a lot of people seem to think that, you know, things through email work really well. I don't think they do. You know, some people are emailers and some people are talkers. I'm, I guess I'm a talker. Uh, I like to have a personal relationship with somebody rather than just one that's, that's through uh, the written word because I think you get so much more out of it. And then you often get that sort of situation where reciprocity, reciprocity kicks in. So, even if, you know, I'm talking to you, John, you're not right for the role, but you know three people who are and you tell me about mm-hmm. them. My God, you're a more interesting candidate to me now. And I will do something right. back for you because it's just how people are. Right. So, I, you know, you've then gone to the top mm-hmm. of my list of who am I going to help. Um, it's such a win-win. It's a win-win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's also a win-win for the candidate to refer other people to the gig because mm. then their network will know, oh my God, this guy's plugged in. He could, you know, he could refer mm-hmm. me to a job, which is all that it's about. 
Yeah, right. it's it's spreading the word and 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 having those conversations. I think um, I think the modern and it's not just the the, the older people. I think um, I, I find them actually. You know, we talk, you talk about over fifties, find them brilliant candidates. I, I I placed. I think the oldest guy I placed was sixty three. He was brilliant. You know, I I I've never had a an ageist issue. Um, not even particularly with my clients. Occasionally, companies that are startup types that that think mm-hmm. that everybody should be in yeah. their thirties, but uh, and yet, you know, the ideal candidate maybe is in his forties in in the in the mind of a recruiter. But but I've never really had a problem with it. Um, but what I do find is that you know people, the younger guys now as well, they don't quite understand it any better than maybe the the older people do. It, it's become the internet has created this this sort of breakage in in the recruitment process where you know computer systems applicant tracking software all of this sort of stuff has come into play uh, people it's just too easy to search click and apply and people think mm. they are applying to jobs by doing that my argument right. is you're you're on the periphery of that job you're in you're you're a real long shot pick up the phone talk to the person who's hiring or the recruiter find out who they are through linkedin connect with them, talk to them. You're much closer to the job if you do that. You're exactly. more likely to be considered. Just yeah. just sending things digitally, you know, your CV, no, that doesn't work, yeah. I'm afraid. I remember, I, I have this with my grad students all the time. I remember one guy said to me, he had applied, but he hadn't followed up. And, uh, or he had, he had sent emails, but he hadn't gotten an email back. And I said, well, why don't you pick up the phone and call? Mm. He said, well, I don't have the number. Uh, he said, it's not listed on the website. I said, come over here. So we went around to the computer. I, I typed in um, maps.google.com. And I typed in the name of the company. And it came up with the address. And there was the phone number for the, for the main office right there. I said, there's your phone number. You call up. You, you ask for HR. You ask for the recruiter who's in charge of this position. Mm. and Go do it. Well, sure enough, I would know? go. I would go even. I, I argue, you know, as a recruiter, I always argue go to the decision maker. So, you know, HR. You know, obviously, I've had lots of interactions with HR, and and there are some great internal recruiters out there. Of course, there are. But actually, the person who who you're going to be reporting to is always, in my view, the person you want to get to, because Absolutely. because they make a, a different decision. I, I would. Just you know, a previous uh, podcast I was talking to a guy, called, a guy called Jonathan Goring, and he, you know he's a quite a senior guy who's doing all of his own recruitment. He, you know, your conversation with him that might be around, you know, your life experience is probably going to impress him more than your your resume. Um, but you only get to have that conversation with him if you pass the gatekeeper, whether that's HR or or the recruiter. So if you're if you're worried about your ability to to actually get to the decision maker, then go direct because you, you've got much, you're then in control of that situation. And as right. I say, these days, there's so many more avenues to get there. In the old days, you had to, you didn't know who was going to, who was actually the hiring manager. Now, a little bit of investigative research, um, any job you'll find out, who is this really reporting to? Uh, yeah. If you can't find that out, bring the company and, and ask, ask right. somebody, ask the receptionist. They normally know everything that's going on. If you ask the right way, you'll find, you'll find the information you want. I do want to say something in, in, in favor of recruiters on the other hand, which is that uh, most applicants that I've encountered 
think of recruit recruiters as gatekeepers who are trying to keep them out. <laughs> and my experience actually is is the contrary, which is that recruiters live for placing the right person in the right position. Yeah, true. And they are advocates. And if you can develop a relationship with the recruiter such that they understand who you are, what your value is, and who you are as a person, they're going to have an easier time finding the right fit for you, whether it's with their company or with someone else. And they can become your advocate uh, and, uh, uh, and help you uh, and coach you on how to present yourself better, uh, how to be more successful. Um, and that, if, if I am you know, reading the recruiter mindset correctly, that is kind of what makes your day, right? Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right in that, John. I think if you can have a good relationship with a, a, a recruiter and that that is based upon them understanding you, so if you've got a very strong um, and compelling career narrative that they really truly understand and you've got a great personal value proposition um, that they also can, can sell on your behalf and they become an incredible advocate for you. Uh, even better still, if you're helping them and uh, giving them, you know, uh, perhaps some, some referrals of other people that might be interesting for them to work with or some insider information, yeah, they'll become very, very, very effective uh, in support of you. Uh, but you have got to, yeah, you've got to work on those relationships and develop them. And if you do that, uh, it can be extremely fruitful. So, yes, I would agree with that for sure. Well, look, John, I have spent a lot of time with you that uh, I'm conscious I'm taking too much of your time here. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much for your time. It's been great. It's a pleasure. And, uh, you know, uh, may we all succeed and get hired and, and uh, have the work and the jobs that we want. Amen to that, John. And thanks again. Thank you. Well, I hope you agree. A great conversation there with John. I think we're very like-minded in our view about uh, how you actually go about getting a job. Uh, he's been talking largely about the over 50s, but I actually think everybody's having this problem, um, particularly if you haven't been in the job market or active in the job market for many years. It can seem like a uh, an alien world uh, and can be very, very frustrating if you try and do this sort of search, click, apply through the internet uh, rather than doing something a little bit more proactive and direct. If you are interested in doing something more proactive and direct and understanding how this job search process really works, then go to my site, careermovesecrets.com, take the free job search masterclass to learn exactly how um, the the actual job of job seeking works. Also take my new um, CV and or resume masterclass, which will explain how you get your CV in shape should you want to be able to uh, to get it past an applicant tracking system. But it also works online for people like me to skim read, uh, which is what we really do, and understand what it is that you are trying to say. So uh, definitely take me up on that. And if you're super serious about um, finding your next ideal role, then consider taking my full premium course, which has got 20 secrets, uh, lots of videos, lots of uh, supporting information. It's only $299 at the moment, which is a snip for the value you will get from it. So take me up on that as well. And if you're enjoying these podcasts, consider subscribing because there'll be more Career Moose Secrets podcasts coming very soon.